0: scripture passage, we are um, continuing to work through Paul's letter to the Colossians, and in this letter, Paul is describing to us, I guess, more fully what happens when we say that we are saved, what exactly we're saved from and what exactly we're saved to, and we're going to continue that today, looking at Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. Before we read that, though, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and wonderful Father. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your holy word, Lord, this word that has endured for the ages, Lord, passed down, recorded, and given to us, that we may open, read, and see, and hear for ourselves, Lord, what your will is for us. So, Father, as we read this word today, Father, we pray that you would bless it, and you would bless us, and that as we read and as we hear today, that we would fully understand. Father, breathe your Holy Spirit upon our hearts and our minds, that as we read and as we hear, Lord, we may know your will for us. Father, bless this holy reading of your holy word, and may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 16 to 23. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in details about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through his joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you've ever had an opportunity to talk about your faith, especially talk about your faith to someone who is an unbeliever or someone who is a skeptic, I think you might find really quickly that our faith makes some big claims that are in actuality pretty hard to back up. Like if you've tried to explain your faith, like I said, to an unbeliever, that we've got some claims in our faith that are actually very hard to back up, and and you might have found yourself at a complete loss for words and thinking, well, I know I'm right, but I just have a hard time explaining it. See, part of the problem is our our faith does make some really big claims. And, And not only do we make big claims, we make big claims that are called exclusive truth claims exclusive truth claims and that means that we're claiming what we say is the truth and that it is exclusive as in what we were saying about about our faith is true and nothing else is true about it. This is an exclusive claim the opposite is not true something different from it is not true this is an exclusive truth claim now the biggest exclusive truth claim that we have or rather the most important is that Jesus Christ is the only way to to God. The only way to the Father is through the Son. And because it's an exclusive truth claim, what we mean is there is no other way to the Father except to the Son. For some, for whatever way you want to think of it, you've got to go through Jesus in order to get through God. The only way to God. There is no other way. Nothing else is going to work this is an exclusive truth claim. Only way to Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ. See, so that's a claim that, that Christians believe, the core and the heart of our, of our faith. And that is, in fact, a very hard one to back up if you're with the skeptic. Because what they will inevitably say to you, when you tell them the only way to the Father is through the Son, they're going to they're gonna just express all kinds of disbelief. Are you kidding me? Are you saying of all the ways out there, of all the religions that are out there, the one that you believe, the one that you grew up with, the one that you like the best happens to be the only one that's is true? Is that what you're telling me? And of all those religions, all those different ways of finding God and expressing a search for God, you know, the the the, the Hindu with his many gods. The Muslim saying that he, he is worshiping the same God as us. The, the Jewish person who we're saying we're worshiping the same God but revealed in a different way. And then you've got the Buddhist who's not worshiping really any God at all. Now let's not forget the pagan. We can't even keep track of what's going on with the pagans. they got such a complicated system of beliefs. But in all that, all those expressions of human faith, you're saying yours is the only right one i'm saying that's a big claim that's a big claim and it can be difficult to back it up sometimes in a conversation with an unbeliever and then you have the universalist and the universalist makes a different claim that all of these religions are basically the same different ways of approaching the same god and they might give you this elephant story have you all heard the elephant story like, what they, they have is they, they, they get three men, and they blindfold them, and they put them in a room, and they say, I want you to find out what you, it is that's in this room. And the first blindfolded man, he, he, he grabs something that feels like a tube, and he's like, it feels like a hose. This is a hose. And the second guy, he feels something it's, it's kind of hard and smooth, and there's like a point at the end. He's like, this is probably a spear. This is what is in this room. It's a spear. But then the third guy, he's touching it, and he's like, I don't know what y'all are talking about, because this is like leather. This is something like old-age leather or something. That's what's in this room. And then they take their blindfolds off, and they find out they've all been touching an elephant. One was touching the trunk. One was touching the tusk. Another was touching the, the leathery's hide of the side of the elephant. But they were all touching the same thing. And they'll tell you, all religions are like this. God is the elephant. And all religions are just blindfolded men, touching one and touching the other and believing and they're a little bit that they figured out the whole thing, but in reality, it's a lot bigger. Maybe you've heard something like that. Maybe you've heard an argument like that. So, how do we know that we are the right ones, though? Now, that's a, that, that's a big question, admittedly. And, and if I were to get into it in total detail and, and exhaust the subject, we would be here a long time. I mean, we'd be here way past lunch, right? And I know you, I don't want that. You don't want that. We want to be able to get to lunch at some time. But I will say this. I will say every religion makes some sort of exclusive truth claim. We're not the only ones. Christians aren't the only ones. If you get down to it and boil the religions down, you get to a point where they're incompatible with each other. And somebody's got to be wrong. As in, it's self-exclusive and both of them can't be right. And even the universalist. Who claims to accept all religions? They believe they're the ones that have finally taken the blindfold off and seeing that we're all just touching different parts of the same ele- elephant. And and so in their way, they also are making an exclusive truth claim. So don't let them make you let you uh, feel superior to you at all, because they are doing the same thing. But Christianity does, I will admit, make the biggest truth claim of them all. Bigger than any other religion that I've ever heard of out there, we make the biggest claim of all. And that is all other religions at best are shadows, but Jesus Christ is the substance. All other fates out there are but shadows, but Jesus Christ is the substance. This is what Paul says in verse 17 of our reading. He says, these are shadows of the things to come, but the substance, the substance belongs to Jesus Christ. Now, What does he mean by that? Well, I want to start by letting you know or by, by telling you that I, I do think that every religion does have some commonalities to it. There are some similarities to many religions out there and I believe all of them have at least one commonality and that is every religion is a quest for God. I'm not saying how sincere it is or how true it is but Every religion, I believe, is a quest for God, because I, I think every human being, if if they take a minute and they and they reflect on their lives with any any sincerity or openness at all, if any person reflects gives any kind of thought and reflection to to, their, to a person's existence and where we are in the universe, will get to a point to a conclusion that by ourselves we're insufficient. By ourselves that this is not enough that this life we live what paul calls in the flesh this life in the flesh isn't enough and and by ourselves that we're not enough right just living this life of food and drink and shelter and money and this life of economics and politics there there's got to be something else because we, we we desire something else we long for something deeper and more meaningful something with more purpose It's what what C.S. Lewis said. He said, every person in their heart, every human being has a God-shaped hole in his heart. And it can only be filled by one thing. And I think every human at some level knows this. And every human goes on a quest at some level to figure out what is going to fill up this hole in my heart. And that's what religion is. It's people searching to fill up that God-shaped hole in their heart. Now this is, i got to say, the most important quest a human being can undergo. But at the same time, the most difficult quest that a human being can undergo. Because this search isn't like any other search. We can't just get in our car and go find God. You can't just climb up a mountain or go into the desert or or even go into the deepest sea. And then we're going to go physically peer into the place where we're finally going to find God. And for as long as human beings have been around we have tried different ways of finding God. People have tried to think and just reason themselves into God, just using logic and observation in their minds. The, the old philosopher Aristotle and Plato both believed that they could reason themselves to God. Some people thought we can just look at nature and, and, and look at nature, be able to discern and know what God is truly like by looking at nature. Some people have tried to go have visions. They have, uh, they've gone into deep meditations or trances Some people have used drugs to to put themselves in a higher plane of existence that they can discern God. Some people have looked at omens. They've looked at the the flight of birds or the the entrails of, of sacred sacrificed animals that they can know the will of God. Many cultures have tried to read the stars. They thought, well, they're up in heaven. If we can figure out what's going on with these stars here, then we can figure out what God is doing because that is the abode of heaven, and so thus the practice of astrology was born. Some have tried to interpret dreams or to to put themselves into ecstatic fits or or channeled spirits or tried to speak to the dead or even use poetry to find the end of this quest of God. But ultimately, all of these ways of trying to find God are flawed because they are human ways to try to find God. And human ways are always imperfect. The first problem is being human beings, we're biased. And we go on a quest for God. Lo and behold, what we're going to find is something very much like us. We go on a quest for God and surprise, surprise, we find a God who looks like us, who thinks like us, who talks like us, who votes like us who's telling us exactly what we want to hear about our life. And the other problem with the human quest for God is it's really hard to get good intel about God. I mean, we're earthbound creatures. And we don't have any way of getting our head up into heaven or into the spiritual realm of getting a really good look around to see what's going on up here and who's the guy that's really in charge. So what we come up with... Or what Paul calls shadows. That's the very best we can do is to find shadows of God. And, and to bring you the elephant and bring it back to that elephant analogy, it's not blind men trying to figure out about an elephant. What it is is, is people just looking at the shadow of an elephant And trying to figure out what this creature is all about. And at the very best, maybe we get a vague shape of it sometimes. If the sun's in the right place or the elephant's facing in the right direction. But that's all we're seeing is the shadow of God. That's what he says in Colossians chapter uh, verse 17. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, what are these, these things he's talking about? What are these things that are the shadow of? He explains it in verse 16. Let, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. You see, these are human ways. These are human rituals of us trying to find God. And he, and he talks more about them in 18. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. See, where Paul was writing, it was the, it was the town of Colossae. And, and in Colossae, they had this strange mix of religion going on at this time. So he was writing to a Jewish community that, that, had, that had converted to Christianity, and they were still practicing their Judaism with the Sabbath, with the food regulations, and with some new, like a lot of festivals But they had added on to them and made even more festivals than most of the Jews normally practiced. But on top of this Judaism, they had also mixed it in with this Greek paganism. And so they brought in all these other strange practices to go along with their Jewish practices. And there was apparently a popular cult leader that was leading the temple or the synagogue there in Colossae, and he was having visions about angels. And he was telling people what these angels were telling him about how they can find God based on these visions of angels. And it involved all these different food restrictions, all these different holidays, and uh, what Paul calls this asceticism, which meant to uh, deprive yourself, like fasting and, and, and not doing this or not doing that or, or depriving yourself for long periods of time. So you had this, this strange mix of religions, of Judaism and paganism, that was happening in the city of Colossae. But the problem was this is how people were trying to find God. They were through these various practices. And that's what Paul meant when he says, "These are the shadows. These are the shadows, all these things you're doing, all this, this worship of angels, these visions, all these festivals and these feasts you're doing, and all these rules you've put on yourself. these are just shadows. They're not the substance. These are human attempts to find God. And because they're human attempts, the best they can be are mere shadows. And because of what happens when human beings try to find God, we always, always what happens, you always see this happen, they produce this long list of rituals and rules and practices that you have to do if you want to really be holy. You got to eat this kind of food. You can't eat this food. You got to dress this way. You have to say these certain things at the certain right time if you want to be holy. And these are the things that Paul says about them. Look at verse 21 Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and human teachings. You say, these are the things that you have to do. You can't touch this thing. You've got to touch this thing instead. You can't do it in this way. You have to do it in that way. You have to wear this clothes. You have to face this direction, saying these words at right, just the right time if you want to channel the spirits of God and really get to know them like we should. And at best, these are just shadows. These are just Shadows. They don't come close to being what it is we're really looking for in God. Look what he says in verse 23. These indeed, he's talking about all these practices, whether they're the Jewish, the pagan, or a mix of the two. These have an appearance of wisdom. in promoting, what is that? You see that self-made religion. Not God given a self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. These things just have an appearance of wisdom. They look smart. They look like they know what they're doing. They look really, really holy, but they're not real wisdom, and they really can't stop you, what Paul says, the indulgence of the flesh. That means your sin nature from taking over you. These are just human traditions. These are just human ideas, and to bind yourself to them is folly, because it's only a shadow that cannot save you from sins, that cannot teach you wisdom certainly certainly can't show you the way in finding god well because human methods are so flawed how do we know god there's only one way that we can know god if we really want to know god and that's if god chooses to reveal himself to us and we call that revelation not the book of Revelation, but the act of Revelation, the act of revealing. The only way we can know God is if God reveals Himself. God gives us revelation. And thankfully, He's done that. The first big revelation was through Moses, where He revealed Himself to His people, where we set up the law, where He made the nation of Israel. But even that, Paul tells us, isn't complete. Even that is still just a shadow. He, he says in 2 Corinthians, wherever the law is read, there's a veil over it. Just like there was a veil over Moses because it was not the complete. It was just the shadow. It was not yet the substance. It's the second revelation that's the big one. The revelation of Jesus Christ. That is where we get to no mere shadow. But now we find the substance. The fullness of God. You may remember last week we were talking about in uh, Colossians 2.9, it says, The fullness of deity dwells in Him. The deity being God, the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And in uh, one nineteen in Colossians, it says, All the fullness of God, all the fullness was pleased to dwell in Jesus Christ. So we're not talking about shadows here anymore. We're not talking about hints of God. There's no more whispers or dreams or peaks behind the curtain. This is the fullness of god this is his spirit complete dwelling in christ and christ dwelling in us we're not talking about shadows anymore now we're talking about substance see there's a popular misconception about the revelation of god in jesus christ it's a popular misconception about it. See, they, they look at Jesus, a lot of people do, like, like the Moses or the prophets. Like God gave Jesus a revelation, and G- Jesus then gave it to us. That's the full revelation of God came in Jesus, and Jesus told us about it. But you know, that's not what happened at all. See, they got it all wrong. That's not what happened with Jesus. That, that's what happens with human beings when human beings have revelations, is God speaks to them, then they speak to us, and that's why it's always a shadow of something. It's a, it's a conversation that God told to a prophet, and then that prophet is telling us about that conversation. Okay, it's it's, a, it's this third-person knowledge that we're, by the time it gets to us, or sometimes fourth or fifth, depending on who's telling it. But that's what happens, The the, the poet or the seer or somebody or prophet gets a word and then they speak that revelation to others. And and if someone gets a revelation, it doesn't mean it's from God. Some have gotten revelations from some sinister forces. The early church fathers, even St. Augustine, said all these false religion were demons masquerading as gods. And it was a revelation from a sinister force. But even at the best case scenario, we get a revelation from God, it's still just a shadow at best. Is God speaking a revelation to a person, a person now speaking a revelation to those around them? But see, that's not what happened with Jesus. Jesus didn't receive a revelation from God and then speak it to us. You see, Jesus is the revelation. Jesus didn't have a revelation, Jesus is the revelation. Jesus wasn't given a revelation, He is the revelation. This is what it says, Colossians chapter 1 and 115 about Jesus. It says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body. He is the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn of the dead. For in him all the fullness Of God was pleased to dwell. See, we make the biggest claim of all, don't we? We don't just offer you the shadow. Jesus says, I can show you the substance because I show you myself. If we go back to that elephant analogy, All fates, all religions, blindfold men trying to feel an elephant and figure out what it is. Okay, Jesus just wasn't a guy who took the blindfold off and saw the full elephant, okay? No, you see, Jesus is the elephant. Jesus is the fullness of God. When he gave us a revelation, he wasn't just talking about a revelation of God. He was revealing himself to us, which is the fullness of deity, God dwelling in him, not a shadow, the full substance. See, it's the quest for God is a quest for Christ. And the quest for Christ is the quest for God. So that means there's no ritual, no vision. No asceticism, no practice. Nothing you can do is going to bring you closer to God than Christ. Because once you're at Christ, you're at God's feet. You're at God himself. You can't do more. You can't get more because he is the substance. Now, this doesn't mean that once you come to know him, your quest has come to a complete end. In many ways, as soon as you know Christ, your quest is just beginning. What it does mean is that now you know where it ends. Now you see the fullness of God was made known in Him. And at times we get glimpses of that end, we get glimpses of that glory that awaits. But we're no longer bound by rituals or by observances or by holy days. I mean, these, many of these can remain a part of our worship, but they are not bound by them anymore. And they certainly aren't going to bring us to God because the fullness of God has already been given to us. The deepest desire, that deepest meaning, that greatest purpose of human life has already been placed in your hands. And I know that's a big claim. And I know that's not only a big claim, but the biggest claim anybody has ever made. The biggest of all faiths. The fullness of God and His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, I wish I could stand up here and prove to you by reason, by logic, by arguments, and by, by the kind that you could not ever break apart or anybody could disprove. I wish I wish I could do it, but I, but I can't can't give you all the best reasons and logic and arguments that jesus christ is the one and i can make a good case now i think i can make a pretty good case but i can't prove it as many will want proof all i can do is tell you about him all i can do is show you to him all i can do is show you the way But see, the thing about Jesus, see, he's something you gotta see for your own eyes. He's something that you gotta believe in for yourself. So I'm just telling you this, let him take the blindfold off your eyes. Let him take the blindfold off your eyes so he can reveal himself to you. Let him show you the truth of God revealed, not in shadows, but in the full glory of Jesus Christ as Lord. To God be all the glory forever and ever, amen.